Good morning. I want to say welcome to worship today. I'm Pastor Jeff Dadisman, and we are uh, live streaming this morning from St. John's United Methodist Church here in Davenport, Iowa. And if you're joining us online, uh, let us know that you're here with the attendance button that is on our website. Uh, we have a, a Lenten study that is starting on February 24th, and you can uh, register for that. The, the last question under the attendance button will ask, would you like to be a part of that study? And you can indicate which time works for you. Today, uh, our worship theme is continuing in the idea of resilience coming back from this difficult year past. And, and I'm going to tell the story of, of Gideon. Gideon ended up paralyzed by fear, and God helped him to come back. And, and this is the conclusion of this six-week series. And then next week, we begin a, a new uh, season in Lent. Please join us for call to worship. Noah carried out God's mission, get to see the first rainbow, then committed a big blunder. Hard to be embarrassed in front of your family because of a public transgression. Hard to ask God for forgiveness and a second chance. Choose your heart. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, but the angel of God was with him. Hard to stand against a pagan king and suffer the consequences. Hard to trust that God will have your back. Choose your heart. King David wrestled with depression, but he didn't stay discouraged. Hard to feel the weight of depression and feel like giving up. Hard to reach out to God and trust that God will help. Choose your heart. Eliza was overwhelmed by difficulty and conflict, but he didn't stay stuck. Hard to come to the end of your rope, to feel like giving up because you're the only one trying to follow God. Hard to keep walking by faith. Choose your heart. Gideon was paralyzed by fear, yet he followed when God called. Hard to tackle an overwhelming assignment all alone. Hard to trust that God will be our refuge and strength. Choose your heart. Our reading this morning comes from the book of Judges, verses 1 through 6 and 11 through 18. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a single living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents, like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Ebenezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But Gideon replied, Pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, 
Why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in strength, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Gideon replied, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Mahasa, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have your found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Gideon is a, a favorite Old Testament story, and uh, we kind of catch uh, this, this period before uh, there is a king for the country. There are judges, and, and a judge is called forth every so often. It seems that uh, the people of God get off track and, and they're uh, conquered by an enemy army, and, and then they're kind of squashed down, they're, they're pushed down until they, they become so desperate that they, they cry out to God. And we catch Gideon here uh, at, a, at a very low point, and I've said uh, he's, he's kind of paralyzed by fear, just like sometimes we can get to those points where we, we just can't move that, that we're stuck, we're, we're kind of squashed down. And this last year, there have been those moments where um, I, I have felt kind of immobilized, and, and I think many of us have, have just been caught by how difficult the day is, or the season is, or the month, and, and we wonder, what shall we do? Where is God in the midst of all of this? Gideon, I, I want to offer Gideon's story this morning as as. God's valentine for you. That sometimes we're in a desperate place, sometimes we're in a dark place, and, and we say, where are you, God? And this story is that light coming to shine in the darkness. This story is God reaching out to his people, and, and I hope that God might reach out to you uh, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your need. So Gideon is the story of a young man learning to follow God after a long season where it seems they had been abandoned by God. Uh, devastation and poverty are everywhere. God's people are pretty much battered and discouraged, down and out, and it's a particularly low, low point. Uh, for about seven years, uh, their country has been ravaged. The Midianites raid and steal. They drive away their animals. They burn off their crops if they let the crops be planted at all. And, and if your crops don't get planted, uh, there is a famine. If your crops don't mature, if your crops aren't harvested, if you don't get to keep the grain that you've worked to cultivate, uh, survival becomes a question. And it took seven years, but finally the Israelites began to look up and they began to say, God, not just where are you, but God, would you come to our aid? 
And Scripture has this pattern where there's sin, and then there's judgment, there's exile, there's a humbling, and as they cry out to God, there's a response. And so as they cried out to God, this time God hears their cry. An angel is sent to call forth a leader, a deliverer, a person through whom God can work uh, to lead his people out of bondage. And Gideon is that one person that God has chosen. God's angel finds Gideon threshing wheat while hiding in a wine press. And as I try to imagine what that's like, a wine press doesn't really include any shelter. It's not like a barn or a garage or, or any way to really hide. And, and yet maybe it's camouflage because you, you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. It, it's usually a kind of a stone formation where you put the grapes in and then you tread out the, the grape juice. And so Gideon is in that maybe a pit or reservoir, but he's threshing wheat and he's trying to hide. He's gotten the harvest all the way to this point and yet there's the fear that after he has separated the wheat from the stalk, the stem, the Midianites could drop in and steal it, burn it, take it, throw it away. And so Gideon is afraid. He's hiding. He thinks he's alone. And that's kind of how out of sorts things were. Gideon is in the lowest, darkest moment. Um, His fears are running away. Even as he's working and sweating, he's watching and he's hoping that he'll not be caught. And God speaks to him in those moments. The angel appears to Gideon and he says, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Now there's one thing that uh, Gideon did not think he was at that particular moment, and, and that was a mighty man of valor. He's a scared farmer, and that's what he was. He's, he's threshing wheat, hiding out, scared to death that the Midians are going to come and, and catch him. And so the idea that anyone would see him as a mighty warrior did not make sense. Uh, nobody would have looked at this young man and called him a mighty warrior on that day. Truth be told, he was a pathetic man hiding out in a depression, a hole in the ground. That's what Gideon saw when he looked in the mirror. But God saw something very different when he reached out to Gideon. He did see a mighty warrior. He did see a man that he wanted to choose to lead his people. But if the fact that uh, God was calling Gideon a mighty warrior didn't make any sense, the, the other part of the greeting did not make any sense either. The Lord is with you. Immediately, Gideon begins to question. And he says, how can this be? If the Lord is with us, why is all this tragedy happening to us? Where are all the wonderful stories that our forefathers used to recount, saying, "Did not the Lord, is not the Lord the one that brought us up out of Egypt? If God is with us, why have we been forsaken? So Gideon wants to know, if what you're saying is true, if indeed the Lord is with us, then explain to me all this terrible suffering. Why is our land overrun with enemies? Why are they on every side? If God is with us, then what am I doing down here in this wine press, threshing my wheat? 
And so Gideon comes to the conclusion that um, it's not true that God has forsaken us. God is not with us. I, I love how the angel doesn't fuss with Gideon. He doesn't take this opportunity to remind him that, that God has not abandoned Israel, that Israel was the one that kind of abandoned God. He doesn't quote scripture. He doesn't club Gideon over the head with, you know, you're, you're a pretty sinful guy. He simply says, the Lord has not abandoned you. In fact, I am with you right now. And he goes on to say, your hand is what will save your people. Gideon still doesn't understand. He still doesn't believe. And he says, how am I going to affect that? Uh, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, one of the tiniest tribes in Israel. I'm the least in my father's house. I'm the youngest of all my brothers. Gideon looks at his resources. He, he looks at his ability. He sees no hope, and he certainly doesn't see himself playing any major part in rolling back the forces of evil. But God continues to call him, continues to say to him, it's not you that's going to make the difference. It's my presence and my promise. Now go. And God says, go in the strength that you have. I know it isn't much. In fact, you don't really amount to much at all. You are from the tribe of Manasseh. You are from the lowest clan in that tribe. And you are right at the tail end of your father's sons. I know who you are, Gideon, but you're the one that I want. I'm looking for someone who doesn't amount to a whole lot, so that when there is victory, you'll realize that the key was not you, but the key was me. You see, when we bring all that we have to the table, sometimes we bring our, our skill, our talent, our resources, and, and when there is a, a victory, when there is a success, it's very easy to look around and say, look what we did. And in this story, God wants to affect a victory and it wants it to be obvious that it wasn't what we did. It's what God did. It's what God's going to do. And as weak as Gideon is, it becomes very likely that he will be dependent on God. And in the end, he will trust in God and not his own hands. So when Gideon looked at himself, all he sees is this frightened person in the mirror from a, a pathetic little tribe in a God-forsaken corner of the world, and he can't see past his own weakness to God's possibility. He doesn't understand that, that one of God's greatest joys is, is pulling people like Gideon up out of the wine presses and pulling off an impossible victory against impossible odds. There's 120,000 soldiers down in the plain. That's a whole lot of Midianites. The obstacles are pretty real. And so patiently and tenderly and firmly, God assures Gideon, I will be with you. Gideon's still not convinced, and, and he wants to be absolutely certain. He doesn't necessarily want to put his neck out here on the line unless he's really sure. So he climbs out of his wine press and and, and he kind of offers God a deal. He said, uh, I'll do this thing, but I just need a sign. I need a, a something. And Megan started the next part of the story, and, and I want to just read. It's a, a fascinating read, but it's a rather long story. 
And I just want to read the next segment. That the, Here's the idea that Gideon has, in, and he says, just so that I would know. He says, I'm going to place a, a wool fleece on this threshing floor, and in the morning if there's dew on the fleece and all the ground around is dry, then I'll know that you're going to save my people by my hand, as you have said. And it happened. Gideon got up the next morning, and as he squeezed the fleece, he wrung out a whole bowl of water. And the ground around it was dry. And he says, God, um, please don't be angry. I just want to be sure. I just want to know that this isn't a fluke. Tonight, would you do it again? Only this time, can you make the fleece dry and the ground dewy? And God said, yes. And the next night, it was the same as Gideon had asked. And with that, uh, Gideon goes forward to his people, and, and he becomes a mighty warrior. There is courage that begins to grow, and in, in the next chapters, um, that 120,000 enemy soldiers, Gideon puts out a call, and 30,000 people come. And he's like, oh no. That's pretty bad odds. And, and then God says to Gideon, but it's too much. And Gideon's like, what? And God says, we need to, we need to thin it out a little bit. And, and so anybody that's at all afraid, send them home. And so Gideon kind of is cringing and he goes, uh, anybody that doesn't want to do this, you can leave and, and there'd be nothing said. And, and two-thirds of his men depart. 20,000 soldiers disappear, and, and Gideon's like, oh no. And, and God says, it's okay, but there's still too many. Do you know this story? There's still too many. And, and he's like, the odds just got really bad, and you say there's too many. And, and so he, he gets rid of a few more, and, and Gideon keeps saying, now, Lord. And, and the angel comes back and says, there's still too many. And, and the last test... Um, he says, take the men remaining down to the edge of the, the sea or the lake or, or whatever. There was a, a freshwater body nearby, and, and he said, here's how you're going to divide them. Those that, that get down on their knees and, and just lap it out of the, the water like a dog uh, will depart, and those that um, put it, cup it in their hands, you'll keep. And the Scripture tells the story that there were 300 that... Uh, put it in their, their hands and drank that way, and the, and the rest were sent away. And, and Gideon's like, okay, here we go. Um, th this is just, I, I don't know, God. But God says, uh, I want to give you just a little more courage, a little more insight into what I'm doing. And it's the eve of the battle. The, the Midianites are all, you know, just around their campfires, not a care in the world. It would seem uh, victory looks like it's pretty much tipping in their favor, and, and yet God directs Gideon, sneak down into their camp. I want to let you know what I am doing. And so he, he takes his uh, shield bearer, and they, they sneak down into the dark. It's the end of the, the day. Uh, the day just kind of winding down, and, and they come up to a tent along the edge, and he stops and he hears two soldiers talking. And one of them is kind of like roused out of an early sleep and he, and he grabs his 
partner and he says, I've just had this dream. It's this terrible dream. This huge loaf of bread came rolling down out of the hills and wiped out all of our tents. And his friend says, it's none other than the arm of Gideon. God is going to give them victory. And they don't understand it, but they're talking about this, and Gideon is listening in, and he leaves, and he goes back, and he's like, okay, God, they're already afraid, and what do we have to fear? So Gideon asks his men to divide into three companies, and they're all equipped with a trumpet and a torch, think flashlight, and, and there's this clay pot. And, and how it unfolds is that Gideon gives the signal, and they're kind of on three different sides of the enemy encampment. And, and the, I, I would imagine the, the smashing of those clay pots could sound like chinks of armor, uh, horses, just swords, whatever, but it was startling enough. And then the trumpets blew, and the Midianites, in confusion, turned on one another, and they wiped each other out. And Gideon was given a victory. After the battle, as God has now done what he said, and, and Gideon is starting to live into, I'm not a little person, I'm not paralyzed by fear, I was able to do what God asked. He goes back to the wine press where it all started, and he builds an altar to the true God. And he names the altar, the Lord is my peace. And if we make this personal this morning, as I said earlier, I believe there are times when we might, any of us, end up as Gideon threshing our wheat in a wine press. Gideon is hiding from enemy invaders and they've taken a hold of the land and the fear has caused him to, to lose faith. And so this morning I ask you this, uh, where are you? Is there an oppressive fear that's sucking the life out of your day, your body? What is it that has left you stranded in a place that you're never meant to be doing things that don't make any sense? I don't know what that might be for you. And maybe that's just you and God to sort that out. Will you pray with me? Lord, I ask that you might whisper into our hearts through your Holy Spirit with us this morning that our, our resilience is not just a, a resolute choice, that, that as children of God, as people of God, we have access to the Spirit of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God that comes new every morning from God. And I pray that you would meet us in whatever difficulty or darkness or despair is ours, and that you would lift us out of the wine press, that you would set our feet in a solid place, and that you remind us that uh, we belong to you on this day. And if you're not sure where you belong and you've never said, God, I want to be your child, that you could do that as well, that you could open yourself, open your heart, and just say, I want to learn, I want to grow, I want this faith to be mine. And maybe it's a new point of surrender to say, okay, I'm at a low, pot, low spot and I'm not sure where to turn. And you turn to Jesus and Jesus meets you in this moment. 
Lord, we, we thank you for your ministry among us and continue to, to guide us and lead us in this time. Amen. Yeah.